Good evening and welcome to Unearthing Adoption, episode 38. We want to start out this episode with an announcement and just let everybody know that um, sadly, Deontay will not be recording with us anymore from this point forward um, due to life and just other circumstances like that. It'll just be the two of us, uh, myself and Lauren, recording. And today we're going to be talking about feeling alone uh, or being lonely in terms of adoption. So stay tuned. All right. So I've been just noticing that I've been being, when I've been watching movies or hearing about feeling alone I've been like noticing a somatic reaction in my body meaning a tightness in my chest specifically and that signifies that there's something there that signifies there's something for me to look at and I think I was literally watching the Barbie movie by myself on my computer (laughs) and there must have been a moment in that where she felt alone have you seen the Barbie movie I have not seen the Barbie movie. Well, it's really good. And it's not what you think it is. And um, there was a moment where she was alone. And it was like she felt really disconnected. And anyway, not to get into the Barbie movie, but I just noticed for myself how I really had was feeling sad. Because I, I am a community person. I have a ton of communities that I'm involved in. I have a significant amount of really good friends, which is amazing and such a blessing, right? I take a lot of time to, to cultivate my friendships. And I know that for some adoptees, that can be really, really, really hard. But inside of that, I also have this realization that even though I have a lot of friendships, there are moments where I feel so misunderstood There are moments when I feel so alone and almost even like no one understands me. Do you have those moments? Yeah, actually, it's funny you talk about that because just the other day, so for World Adoption Day, I drew the smiley face on my hand and of course I was teaching and so my kids saw it and like kindergarten, first grade, second grade, they're like, why do you have a smiley face on your hand? You know, so thinking back to it, I I don't know. I shouldn't have spent as much time on it. Maybe, maybe, I'm not sure. Anyway, I explained it. I said, well, it's World Adoption Day and I'm adopted. And, you know, what that means is that my parents are not my birth parents. Like my birth parents are in Russia. Um, You know, explaining this to like six, seven-year-olds is really funny. And so a lot of them were like, okay, you know, or didn't get it at all. I had one girl raise her hand and was like, oh, yeah, well, um, my parents gave birth to me, but then they adopted me. And I was like, okay, (laughs) we're a little confused (laughs) about what this means. But I mean, in that moment, it was just kind of it's kind of funny because it just goes to show like, oh, wow. I mean, at least in my community at school, there's not a lot of adoptees or even knowledge from parents to students to their kids about adopted kids i think i maybe had one kid who was like for real adopted out of all the classes i told so that was kind of interesting Mm -hmm. 
yeah, there's a lot of misconceptions and which is a big part of national adoption awareness month of November, right? Where adoptees speak up and they share like, Hey, this is my experience as an adoptee. It's not what we have perceived it to be for so long. Like there's the very real reality that you and I fortunately weren't a part of, but the human trafficking piece, you know, like that's not our story, but that story 100% exists. And from those people who've experienced that, I can understand why a lot of adoptees are anti-adoption. And I think it can be so isolating when the world thinks adoption is like Annie or adoption is like, what are the other ones? Oliver. Does anyone know what that is anymore? The movie Oliver Um, or whatever. I don't know the new ones, you know, but it's this idea that adoption is great and it's helpful. And that is just not the reality. And even someone like me, who's been doing this really hard, intensive work on myself, on my psyche, on my spirit for 10 years, I still really noticed my heart hurting when I was seeing in movies the theme of loneliness playing out. And I, it's maybe it's not important to be like, it's my adoption trauma for sure. Right. I don't necessarily believe that that's the answer. I think it can be many things, but I am also very aware of adoption trauma and the impact. And so it's very likely that it's related. And I just wanted to name it because I think what can happen is that when we do the healing work, we forget where we came from. We forget where we started, which was sort of like our old name, right? Tough love. And now we, we've moved forward to this new name, Unearthing Adoption. But it's so important for us to remember that not that long ago, we really did think of adoption as like, uh, tough love, you know? And now we get to shift and change our lenses. And inside of that, it's still important to make sure that we're not ignoring the things that are currently unfolding. For me, if you asked me right now if I was lonely, I would say, no, I'm not. But there's a part of me that feels lonely. And I don't know why. I don't know. I don't, I haven't figured it out yet. Um, when I do, I'll report back. But I'm just sort of giving it my attention, you know, and, and turning towards it and getting really curious about this part of me. You know, I imagine when I was little, I felt lonely and alone. And I've done a lot of little little girl healing work. And maybe that's what that is. I don't know. Um, but anyway, I don't know. What what, how are you feeling? What's coming up for you? I mean, I resonate with everything that you said. And also, like when you talked about like, like the parts work, um, re- understanding that and learning about parts work and like diving into that has been really helpful for that healing process for me, because it's a lot less daunting to think about like yourself in parts and being able to heal yourself in parts rather than the entire whole like your whole being isn't one thing and you know doomed to be this one thing you're made up of a lot of different parts and you've had a lot of different experiences so I also wonder that too I think back a lot to what my it's hard to imagine because I don't know what 
little nine-month-old, seven-month-old Glenna in the crib, in the orphanage, might have been feeling, I imagine, lonely. And from what I've gathered from my parents and just the treatment there, it would lead one to feel pretty lonely. <laughs> but I think that, I think focusing on that parts work is is really important for adoptees to hear specifically because it's just all too easy to say oh my whole self is this one thing which is a lot Mm -hmm. yeah and it's just sort of it can just be so overwhelming this idea like this like like this human me lauren is like the whole collective versus angry lauren upset lauren happy lauren connected Lauren, right? Like self-discipline Lauren, right? It's like, I have all of these versions of myself and sometimes angry Lauren's really present. It's more defensive. I'm more, I get more defensive than angry, I, which I think is a form of anger, you know, but some days I'm like super joyful, super happy and grateful for this life that I live. And then some days I'm bad you know, and I cry when I see a lonely goose. Like if I, whenever I see a single (laughs) goose, (laughs) I'm so sad because they travel in pairs. And I always make up this horrible story about how, what happened to the goose. And it's just really interesting. And on this topic of loneliness, I make up and I project on that goose, like they're lost they're lonely and they don't know where their partner is and their partners probably ran over. And how easy is it to just project? That's all we do all day is we just like project our stuff everywhere. That's so true. I do that sometimes more than I'd like to. Oh. Honestly. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. I, I think the, it's interesting what you said about the defensiveness piece. I, I don't know, maybe, have you seen that as, like, a common thread among adopted people? Is that, like, that more defensiveness over aggressiveness or anger? Or just that being a more common medium of anger for adopted people? I'm just curious. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, because a lot of my clients that I work with don't get defensive or angry at me. You know, so I'm hearing it through the lens of the parents and it's always defensive. I'm defensive when I talk to my mom. So can I, I can only imagine that they're being defensive too. But then I also really have worked with clients who have straight up anger, who the anger is just coming out in any direction, no matter what. So I don't know, honestly. What do you find is helpful when you get, when you say, see a lonely goose? And you are triggered. <laughs> um, what are some things that, well, first off, what are some, what are the first thoughts that come to your mind or feelings that come to your body? Like, where does that hit you? And then what do you, what is your thought process after? That's a great question. Yeah. So as soon as I realize that I'm sad and that I'm literally making up a story about this goose that I am, Literally, I just drove by it. This is like a five second situation scenario that's playing out that I'm now five minutes later still thinking about. 
And so when I can catch it, and sometimes I'll cry about it too. Like sometimes I'll be so sad. Um, I just ride those waves. So first it's the awareness of like, wow, you just made up a whole story about that goose and their partner is probably just around the bush eating <laughs> or just went to get some water. So then I'll also do the, the other narrative of like, okay, well, what if it isn't doom and gloom? What if it's actually like they're checking on the babies and they're just busy? So it's the awareness. It's riding the waves of whatever emotion is coming up. And then, yeah, I try to like widen my lens, bird eye view, literally, to, to what else could what else can exist inside of this? Because certainly it's not just if he was run over and dead. And to build off of that, if it happened to be the first case, how am I going to be okay in that? Because that could be an existent reality, right? Mm-hmm. Am I going to move on or sit with that and f- and be okay, right? Like, and feel healed from that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, accepting what is. Yeah. Yeah, in the reality of life and death, you know, and accepting that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, and then I think sometimes gratitude can come in too, where like I'm like, oh, I'm so gra- glad I'm not a lost goose <laughs> or like a lonely goose, <laughs> which might sound so silly, but that thought's helpful too, you know? Yeah, for sure. Like, well, I, I'm a human. I have my community and I have other humans and things like that. So I don't know, you know, the I don't know, maybe they get new partners. I don't know. Maybe they have friends. There's like a flock, right? Like, so, like sometimes they travel together. So I'm not sure. Maybe I should be Googling this before I just start talking about it. <laughs> I feel like we're healing your lonely goose trauma right now. This is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, interestingly, this, this brings up a thought for me in terms of I've been getting the question, oh, well, you know, don't you want to search for your bio mom? Because you have this information and, you know, don't you just want to do it? And that is bringing up a lot of feelings of, I guess the word I've been searching for is loneliness because A, that feels like it would be a very lonely search in terms of like, if I told my family about it, if I want, I'm not so sure if I even would want to tell my family about it if I did go and search. And B, how am I going to feel if I figure out that that answer is that she is not living? You know, what, Of I think of course I would feel lonely in that. I would feel probably very alone. Like the person that gave birth to me does not live on this planet anymore and that has been a very humbling and terrifying thought and I think kind of where my thought is right now is okay well I need to be healed and ready and feeling like I'm supported for either reality so that was a pretty good segue into that thought process Yeah, like pulling out and seeing the other versions of what that could look like mm-hmm. and being open to all of it, which is so challenging sometimes, you know, it's like both and. 
Like mm-hmm. I can be open to the fact that my bio mom would be alive or dead, but then it's like you actually, but then, then you find out and now you can't hide behind the unknown huh. right now. It's like, this is my reality. And then it's just like consenting to, okay, great. So now I know she is or is not alive. Now what? And right. then the pain or relief that can come either way. Hmm. Yeah, it's like so many, I'm just like, I like, I'm seeing this vision of just like, you're walking down the hall and there are all of these doors to open. And it's like, you open one door, but then like, there's five more doors inside of that. Ooh. Right. Cause let's say she is alive and then you can meet her. Well, now there's like, well, when and how, and does she want to, do I really want to, what does that mean for Natalie? What, like, you know what I mean? So it's this like infinite possibilities of doors potentially either way, you know? So then let's say you find out she isn't alive. Okay. So that's sort of seems like a closed door, but then what then grief box opens, right? For that, for that to start being something to then, right? Having a parent who isn't alive and then, okay, so now I open that door. Well, what's behind that door? We don't know. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like, sounds scary. Can be scary. The whole thing. I mean, life is sort of scary sometimes. So, yeah. True. Yeah, that's an interesting analogy. I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah. What's behind the doors? Ooh. Anything and everything. And we just have to consent to I'm open to whatever the heck arises because I know I'm courageous enough. I've been through enough already that whatever it is, I might be a little scared of, but I'm not that scared of it. I've been having a lot of conversations with people about getting stuck, which is so meta for me because that's like, that's the wound, I guess, for me is that I I get stuck, get stuck in the quicksand, you get trapped. And I don't know that would, it's almost like you, you're you like frozen. Your like hand is on the doorknob, but you can't turn the door. Like you can't turn the knob. Yeah. Like, oh, crazy. I like what you said though. Like having the courage to, or knowing, I think there's a difference between having the courage and then knowing you have the courage, mm-hmm. truly feeling and truly knowing and trusting at least what is in that moment and how you are in that moment. That has to be how you make progress, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think it's just, yeah, it's like the knowing, it's like this uh, unmoving, unmoving part of us that knows no matter what, I can do it. Hmm. Is that what you mean? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I'm sort of the person who like opens the door with my eyes closed like, I think... <laughs> and then I like peek my eyes open like is it safe or should I run away oh. either but just like let me know what an interesting look into like people's minds and like how they face things mm-hmm. how do you open a door into something you don't know what's behind the door how are you gonna open the door yeah does the door look like? Does the door is the door red? Mm-hmm. Slightly open. Does the door have flowers on it? 
what's your past experience with the doll? Mm-hmm. Wow, this is getting. I don't even know what to call it. <laughs> yeah, it's like the inner workings of the of the mind, right? Mm-hmm. I love those meditations where you like walk down the hall and you see a door and what color is it? What material is it? I love that. That's mm-hmm. really fun. There's so much of our unconscious mind that comes through when we can do that. Ooh, can you elaborate more on that? Mm-hmm. What do you mean, like, what? Why would your uncon- unconscious, unconscious? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, like, let's say, okay, so you're doing this visualization and you get to a door, right? And your mind makes something up in that moment, but then you like get to know the door. So, my doors are always wooden. I always have like big wooden doors for some reason. So I were to describe it, they're like heavy and they're like, they're like big. And when I think about my life, I feel like there's a lot of heaviness in my life. There's a lot of like solid, I felt like a lot of solid doors in my life. And someone might have a metal door. Someone might have a glass door. There might be like a window through that door or they might have flowers on their door. How, how beautiful, Right. They might have dead flowers on their door, right? It's like whatever they're allowing to come through really speaks to exactly where they are. And that's why I think it's so interesting to be able to do that and to see and trust whatever's coming up is coming up, right? Like maybe it's a door someone knows. Maybe it's a brand new door that they've never seen before. You know, is that door light or dark? Like, you know, what's the felt sense when you see that door? Is it doomed? Do not open that door. Or is it like, yeah, I wonder what's behind the door. Is it curiosity? I like agree. And I remember reading something from Carl Jung where I think it was one of his books or something on like sleeping and dreams. And when you have a dream, trusting that it's telling you what, you need to know which I I, th- I think is really interesting and it kind of goes back to just being able to trust your gut trust your feelings and follow through and make a decision trust what you're feeling which is really interesting mm-hmm. yeah trusting your intuition your intuition not somebody else's reflection on your intuition or somebody else's projection on your intuition right Exactly. Discernment and learning how to see a goose for a goose and not a goose for someone that's been abandoned by their partner. And now they're sad. Ah, yeah. Right. Like seeing me for me, who am I? Like, who am I really? Like, what door do I see? What door resonates with me? Certainly you and I would have very different doors. Anyone listening to this, we all would have very different doors, Mm. but like, how do we know? How do we trust it? How do we no, it's not like, oh, like, oh, my mom really would have liked that door, you know? <laughs> yeah. You're like, yeah, I'm supposed to like this door. And hmm. how to not do that. And I think that's like such a big part of the adoptee journey, uh, especially for transracial adoptees, I think. Ooh. Elaborate more on that. Well, it's like who, like, you know, I think I've talked about this before when I did art as a little kid, I always did blue eyes as the art Mm -hmm. and I don't have blue eyes, I have brown eyes. And it was so interesting looking back as an adult, looking at my artwork that's still on my parents' wall 
this one thing, this one piece I can remember. And it was like, I made this piece of art because I looked at my dad and my aunts and grandma's and grandpa's blue eyes, right? Like I didn't have it. And so it's like, oh, I'm supposed to have blue eyes, right? That's not me. That's not like through my eyes, right? Mm -hmm. That's through my adoptive family's eyes. So something like that, you know, like when I can now draw myself with black hair and brown eyes, I'm seeing me for who I am and not who I thought I was like, really, it wasn't even conscious at that point, right? It's just like what I knew. So, and that, I think that is also linked to loneliness, like so deeply unconscious, but feeling so detached from myself that I have now put on the color eyes that don't even belong to me. Like that must be so confu- confusing. I must've been really confused. And why did no one tell me <laughs> also? Why did no adult say this is supposed to be a self-portrait? Like, honey, you don't have blue eyes, you know? Yeah. So just got <laughs> swept under the carpet. Sure. Yeah. Thanks. Wow, loneliness like really weaves itself into a lot of different things. Yeah. You know, just it's it's so it's has such an effect on people. Mhm. Mhm. Even when we don't know it consciously. Yeah. Until I watched the Barbie movie, I didn't realize that loneliness was really coming up for me. What a strange place to get that message. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And what a perfect place to get that message, as always. It's always perfect, exactly how it's lined up. Hmm. But I thought I was going into a movie to watch to lay like, oh, this is going to be silly. And I'm literally crying. (laughs) That's crazy. (laughs) Expect the unexpected, I guess. Totally. Yeah. So I guess like for our listeners... You know, it's like, it's, it's being aware of when you interact with the world where you see yourself or when you see these emotions, maybe for you, it's not loneliness. Maybe it's anger. Maybe it's frustration or anxiety or depression, fill in the blank for you. It's almost like going on a treasure hunt. And like, when you see it in the world and you have awareness over it, feel it fully, feel it completely. Allow those waves to just be there. Even if you're an adoptive parent, Right that wave of like, oh, why is my kid doing this? Mm-hmm. Right? Instead of judging yourself for that or judging your kid, it's like, feel that fully and completely. Like that's how we heal it. Mm-hmm. Turning towards it, not away from it. I could shut all the doors on my loneliness. Guess that's not helpful. Like that's the least helpful thing I could ever do. And guess what? It's going to come right back. The next time I watch a movie with loneliness, I'm going to cry even harder. You know, it keeps coming back until we're brave enough to look at it. We're forced to look at it. (laughs) So that's what I would say to our listeners before we close up for tonight. Or for you guys, you're probably, who knows when you guys are listening to it. It's our evening. It's dark here. I always do that. I'm always like, oh, good evening. And then I'm like. (laughs) So good evening, good morning, good afternoon. Whenever you're listening to this and listening to Glenna and I speak about loneliness. 
Yeah, we uh, we really appreciate you guys. It's yeah, really cool. It's it's been really cool. So thanks for listening and sticking with us. One event that's coming up. That event is a book signing, a book yeah, release signing. called Adoption Unfiltered, which is written by actually three different people, Sarah, Kelsey, and Lori, birth parent, adoptee, and an adoptive parent. So it's from the lens of all three, which is really cool. That event will be happening December 1st at the Arvada Library. Mm-hmm. Want information on that? You can go to adoptionunfiltered.com and go to their events section. If you want to join, we'll be there. Glenna will be playing music. Yeah. And a whole bunch of really amazing people are going to be there. So if you can make it, if you're in the area, uh, RSVP online. And we hope to see you there. Yeah, definitely. Um, as always, thanks for listening. And we will catch you on the next one.